0: Name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. It's always a difficult reading to hear this account of our Lord being uh, crucified. How could that have been? Still somewhat of a mystery. Uh, today we celebrate the exaltation of the Holy Cross. It's too commemorations today, two kind of miracles. The first is the commemoration of the finding of the cross. After Christ was crucified, because of the great torment of Christians in that area, the Christians just fled Jerusalem because if they were caught then being Christians, they would be crucified, uh, uh, tortured, put in prison. And so the crosses just fell. And dirt covered them, and for 300 years, no one knew where they were. St. Constantine's mother, St. Helena, uh, a devout Christian, decided to take a journey to Jerusalem to find the crosses. And so she went around town asking where they might be. 300 years gone by, you know, they were covered pretty significantly with soil. And so uh, a man in the village knew where they were fact the the account is that there was a basil bush growing up in this place, and uh, so the Lord <clears throat> preserved the identity of the uh the uh, cross, so when they dug them up <clears throat> the uh they had three crosses, so how would they discern which was the right cross and so a funeral procession was going by, and the patriarch uh mercurius said I know what to do so they took the dead body and they put the body on one cross nothing the body on the next cross nothing they put the body in the third cross and he rose from the dead the true cross of Christ discovered by a a resurrection very powerful to see that that uh, relationship and then uh, 300 years later in the 600s the cross was stolen by the Persians in a conquering of Jerusalem. Then the cross was, uh, re- was uh, retrieved by the Emperor Heraclius in a victory over the Persian army. And he recovered the cross and brought it back to Jerusalem to put it in its right place. And on his way to journey, the people were uh, so excited that the cross was returning to Jerusalem And he began to take the walk of Christ uh, and put the cross on his shoulders, uh, robed in his beautiful uh, uh, royal uh, garments. And uh, as soon as he began to take a step on the journey, he was froze like in cement. He couldn't move. And the uh, priest Zacharias came to him, for the Lord had spoken to him and said, he needs to take his royal clothes off and put on the clothes of a pauper. And so the emperor took the clothes off and put on the uh, uh, sackcloth and began the journey to return the cross to its rightful place, and it's there still. So uh, pieces are all over the world. So, but we know the place of the cross in the Church of the Holy Resurrection in Jerusalem, a very precious Christian site, and uh, we had the opportunity to visit that site actually, so it's still uh, very, very much visible to me. But these two events are the events we celebrate today. But the cross itself has very deep meanings to uh, the Christian people, but it really has a meaning to all peoples. It had a meaning to the Jews, it had a meaning to the Greeks. To the, Greeks, it was a, to the Jews, it was a stumbling block. And to the Greeks, it was folly. But to Christians, it was the power and the wisdom of God. A stumbling block to the Jews. How could there be a stumbling block? How could a sacrifice of God be a stumbling block? Well, to the Jews, they couldn't comprehend that God would take on humanity, for one thing, and that he would suffer for another, and surely he could not die. That is the stumbling block. Because their thought was the Messiah would come and reign as king. That he'd be royal. That he would stand up and, and, and defeat the enemies of Israel. And he would allow Israel to reign as a powerful nation in the world. That was their view of the Messiah. And so when Jesus came as a humble man, and his goal was to bring the kingdom inside us the kingdom to bear bear fruit in the world it stumbled the Jew he could not see the fact that God would suffer and die so why did God suffer and die because he could not stand to see you suffer and die without uniting himself to you it was because he loved you. It was out of complete and pure love for his, his creation, mankind. It was the beauty of his love, the joy of his love, that, in which he condescended from the throne of the Father in heaven to take on humanity. It says he emptied himself of his divinity, which means he he, put, he didn't leave his divinity. His divinity and his humanity united but he took on pain and suffering for your sake. As Father Thomas would say, he, he suffered the worst death that anybody could suffer. He suffered more than anyone could suffer so that he could take on your suffering and your pain. The one thing I remember uh, Father Thomas talking one time, he said, "It would be, I would not follow a God that would not come down and embrace my struggle. How could we follow a God that would stand up and stand away from us and not come down to embrace our struggle? This is our God. Our God is the God that took on humanity, suffered for mankind, loved Him so much that He took on His pain, His suffering, and even His death. Love. That's the stumbling block. That's the, that's the bridge we have to get to when we have to, we have to understand how could God suffer? How could God die? Because God loves. You know, I, you see that in parents. You see that in parents being able to give up their life for their children. Kenosis. Emptying yourself for the other. That's the love of God and the Jew didn't see that and so we are fortunate to know this love and to have this love united to us in our union with Christ so first the stumbling block is that of, uh, of love, a loving God who took on our struggle for our salvation and then folly to Gentiles what's the folly to the, to the Gentile? It's that pain and suffering, and struggle equal misery. Pain and struggle and suffering equal misery. So why would we want to follow a God that's going to ask us to embrace pain, struggling, struggling, and uh, and and these efforts in life? Why are we going to follow a God? That's folly. That's folly. So if you'll become a Christian, I have to embrace pain, struggle, suffering? I have to see those as good things? Well, you know what we say? And it's very simple. We say all those are crucifixion. Because through the crucifixion, we gain what? Resurrection. So we don't see those things. We see those as bridges to resurrection. A means to resurrection, a passage to heaven, a a way to be better, a way to move forward in life. When we see pain, suffering, and struggle, yes, we do everything we can to mitigate it. We're not masochists. That's foolishness. Christ even said, if this cup could pass from me, if I can avoid these things, I should avoid them. But many times, God does not want us to avoid them. He wants us to walk through them. Because through our crucifixion, through the struggle with pain, through the struggle with suffering, through the, through the struggle with, with uh, these things, we gain the resurrection. Our soul is lifted. It's made better. And we can take the tact of the Gentile and, and see those things as misery... And live miserable lives. We can live in resentment and anger and bitterness because of the struggle and pain and suffering of my life. That's an option. But you could also take it as a crucifixion so you can gain resurrection. So, A or B. The Gentile way, misery. Christian way, resurrection. Neither of them are easy. So, the wisdom and the power of God for the Christian. What can... Why is it to us power? Why is the cross power? Because we speak these words. What can man do to me? If I'm a Christian person and I'm in Christ... What can this world do to me? If I am crucified with Christ and I have been raised in in new life with Him, what can this life do to me? You know, it does all kinds of stuff to us. The point is that we can embrace it, we can see it and, and understand it with dispassion. We don't have to respond to it. We don't have to react to it because God is my helper. God is my helper. What can man do to me? What can this life do to me? What can circumstances do to me? You know, they're hard and and, and they weigh on us, absolutely. This is not an easy path. The point of why is the cross power is because we see in it the fact that we overcome the world. That we can rise above the confusion of the world through the cross. You can be tossed to and fro by the circumstances of life. You can let them push you to the left and push you to the right. You can let them, if you're walking on water like Peter, you can let them make, you can sink. But God wants us to bear all things to His glory and to be raised above the confusion of the world. That's what the cross will do. That's what the cross will do. It will raise you above the confusion of the world. What can man do to me? He's already given me everything. I died with Christ. I was raised with Christ. What can this world do? To shake me from that. To, to take away any hope I have. My hope is in Him. Beloved, this is, it's such a powerful thing. It raises us so high above things. Take advantage of it. Cross yourself. Kiss your cross. Honor it. It will raise you above this world. And then, wisdom. Why is it wisdom? It's power and wisdom. It's because this life is full of pain. How many have experienced pain in this life? Okay, I'm going to wait for everybody to get your hands up, please. Please. Even the little guys. John, Ronan, you got your hand up? Thank you. Pain in this life. It's a reality. You can't escape it. How are you going to deal with it? If you accept the cross in humility, your soul will be quiet. Your mind will be set aright. It won't be confused. And you'll make good, holy, healthy choices even in the midst of pain. The trouble is, you have to accept the path. You have to accept that humble path that somehow, in some mystery, God has delivered, brought this pain to me for my good. It may be some tragedy, it may be some problem, it may be some relationship issue, it may, whatever it may be, God has, in some mysterious way, Brought this to me for my good. Then I can humbly accept it. Then I can get my mind set right and I won't race with a thousand questions, a thousand judgments, a thousand moments of anger. And I will make good, holy choices. So we have to take embrace the things that God has given to us, accept them as for our good, and move forward. So how do we do these things? So just two ending points. For we only can do these with the help of God. There's no way we can just make a decision today and in some psychological way say, oh, my life's going to be different now. No, only with the help of God can you embrace these things. And there's two things you can do practically that will help you along this journey of accepting the cross, uh, accepting the issues in your life as crosses that will bring resurrection. One is prayer, and one is doing for others. Sounds like a commandment. to Love God and neighbor. Okay? So we do these things. There, There can be great benefit for this. So first, prayer. So when, when you pray, you know, the, the saints teach that the perfect prayer is when the mind and the heart are united. In fact, our effort is to do that when we pray. You know, when you're in pain, your mind is already in your heart. Think about it. When you're hurting for something in your life or for somebody else, you're thinking about it all the time. Your heart is broken and your mind is there. Guess what? It's the perfect time to pray. To answer the phone. It's the perfect time to pray. That better be the Holy Spirit. That's all I got to say. Perfect time to pray. When you're in pain, you pray. Pain equals prayer. Praying equals prayer. If pain it gets into your mind without prayer, it'll, it'll destroy you. It'll destroy you. I hate that person. And What am I going to do next time I see them? You go a thousand miles with your mind. But when that pain comes and you can unite it, your your heart is united and you pray, all of life changes. All of life changes. I want to share a little story that I've shared before. The power of prayer, Uh, even in the midst of pain, there was an, uh, a Russian priest who uh, had a problem with alcohol, and so much so that it was very apparent to his people. And they went to the bishop and said, our priest is a, a drinker, he's an alcoholic, and he comes even to the services uh, intoxicated. We need You need to do something. So he went to the, the bishop went to the priest, and the priest admitted, yes, I struggle with this, I, and I Tried all my life to get over, and I just continued to stumble. Forgive me, and I know my people—it stumbles them, and it's best for me not to be their priest. I know that's not good for them, and so he humbly uh, took uh, himself out of the priesthood with the bishop's blessing. Um, during that week, the bishop was visited in a dream by a hundred people, hundreds of people, telling them in the dream to restore him. And so the bishop said well it's kind of a sad you know a dream you know you push these things away the orthodox thing is the first dream you just push away It doesn't mean anything because we can be pushed to and throw by dreams so the next night the same people show up in the dream and say you have to restore him next night the same thing so he calls the priest in and says I have hundreds of people coming to me in a dream telling me to, uh, to restore you he says, well, I know who these people are. He said, they're, they're, they're the departed souls I pray for every day. He says, I know my people struggle with me. And so my prayer for them is not as effective. So I go to the cemetery every day. And I pray for the departed. <laughs> and so he, the bishop went to the people and said, uh, told them the story. And they said, will endure him. The power of prayer in pain. That's so powerful. The pain of a priest who couldn't shepherd like he knew he should, and he only had one place he could pray effectively, pray effectively, departed. So no, beloved, when you have pain and you pray, it's so powerful. And finally, uh, this last to-do for the other. I-, I love this story so much. Uh, I, was, I was kind of hoping that it would be close to this day. On September 11th, we celebrate St. Theodora, who was a young maiden who uh, was uh, tricked by a fortune teller to uh, commit an illicit relationship outside of marriage. She felt so bad about that that she left her husband because she—it broke her heart uh, that she would break the heart of her husband, and so she cut her hair and masqueraded as a young man and joined a monastery. And so, um, in that, she began to exceed all others in her uh, spiritual efforts. Uh, but maintained being unknown, known as Theodora in the monastery, not Theodora. And then uh, a young lady showed up at the doorstep and accused Theodora of impregnating her and uh, giving birth to this child. Theodora had a pretty easy uh, excuse here, but she didn't use it. She took the child and left the monastery and raised it. For the other, for the other, and then came back the the, the the monk, the abbot of the monastery was told in a in a vision by the angels what had happened, and so he went and got her, and brought her back to the monastery where she reposed, and then her husband came back to the monastery to to see her, and he stayed in her cell until he reposed. So. What a joyful thing to see this effort, beloved, of when we find pain in life and doing for the other what blessing it can be. So we see pain not in, uh, in, in a, a misery way. We see it in a way of opportunity. An opportunity to pray, to, to solidify the, our, my life with Christ And a means by which I can do for the other. Do for the other. So may these examples of these two blessed saints and the power of the precious and the life of the cross be with us today. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.